Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Super Bowl show of the Left Coast Gamblers. Uh, normally, we'd be starting off with the music, with the glitz and glam, getting ready to go crazy for the Super Bowl Sunday. But something tragic happened this past weekend, and we had to. Uh, we felt the need to address it as Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crooks, and myself, Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. We all have a similarity in that we came to L.A. from other places. We are L.A. transplants, but we've been here a while and we've sort of felt like L.A. has become our home, has become our place where we want to raise a family, where we want to be for, for the most of our lives, and we've sort of become Los Angelinos in itself. And something tragic happened in Calabasas on Sunday with a, I'm sure you've heard, a tragic helicopter crash that sort of affected this city in a way I've never seen it before. And we wanted to talk on this topic a little bit. We felt the need to, and we felt it was time to, but we also, as usual, couldn't do it alone. So we had our uh, not only our senior NBA correspondent, Thomas Jones-Wortham, calling in, but he also is a transplant like us, coming from North Carolina and grew up to be none other than a Lakers fan and a, and a, a big-time Kobe Bryant fan. So we had him call in. We have him on the line now, and we just want to talk a little bit about the losses that we've suffered on Sunday and uh, how it sort of affected the city that we live in. Thomas, are you there? I am. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy to have you, too. I understand you, uh, we were supposed to hang out Sunday night, coincidentally, Dangles and I were having a little get-together, and TJ was obviously invited, and TJ, uh, after what happened, took himself to the to the Staples Center outside, where a lot of Laker fans uh, congregated, including some NBA players, current NBA players, to sort of mourn the loss of uh, Mr. Kobe Bryant. Uh, let's start there, TJ. Can you give us the scene a little bit on what happened on Sunday night? Yeah, man, I'll just I'll I'll set the scene as well for just what you're currently uh, experiencing with myself. I'm I'm sitting here. I got a little vodka on on ice, a little splash of ginger, and I got uh I got Kobe's highlights on the TV. Top 100 Kobe plays is is playing in the background as I speak with you guys. So uh, mm. I'm I'm feeling as as all things considered, I'm feeling pretty good right now talking to you. So that's that's the scene where I'm at, and. Uh, you know that day was rough. It was yeah. really tough. I was um, I was getting out of the shower and my phone was sitting on the uh, the bathroom counter. And the the way I found out, and I, you know, I, I think this is gonna be one of those things that for everyone they'll have their own story about the first way they heard. You know, obviously, I think most of that comes through cell phones these days. But I got a text from friend of the pod, Alex, uh, New York Giants cheese man. Yep. You know, I, my text just pop up just like with the message on the home screen or whatever. So I looked down and it said, um, yeah, you M M M M Kobe died. Jesus. Not a lot of I was literally. In a, yeah. I was, I was in my a towel and you know, I'm stepping out of the shower and I just, you know, you try and think of every other thing than what it actually is. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of like, Oh, he, maybe he was embarrassed somehow. And that was like some hyperbole on cheese man's part mm -hmm. that he like, somehow got clowned in media or in a pickup basketball game, somebody dumped on him or yeah. something that wasn't what it actually was. Like you're just hoping um, because it was just, it was so blunt and not very eloquent fully stated. Um, not, not there's much of an eloquent way to, to say that, but yeah, I found out. And um, at first I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, I hopped on the old Twitter and I think at that point only TMZ was really reporting. Yep. And I saw that that I and, and at that point it's funny because it, it was so fresh. It was like when I it was like five thousand tweets about it. You know something just like so embarrassingly small. People 
you know, Morgan Freeman's died five times and yeah. he's still alive yeah. on social media. So I'm just like, oh, this is, this is nothing. And I was actually watching a uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the time, which in some ways really was a good movie to be watching to find out just because of the kind of, you know, the love of L.A. and Hollywood and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. For whatever reason, the romanticism around this city, it was kind of comforting at the time to be watching that movie. But I, you know, I, I turned on CNN and I was like, I'm not going to believe it until I see it reported on the TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I and I think this is kind of a similar story. You know, I've listened to lots of pods and heard interviews and folks kind of said the same thing. They wanted some kind of what they felt was like real clarification. And before I knew it, it was being reported on CNN and ESPN. And uh, I just I just turned it off, you know. Mm-hmm. I turned it off and I put my phone down and turned it upside down and I went back to watching the movie. Hmm. I didn't know what else to do. And um, about an an hour later, after hearing my phone vibrate, uh, you know, a hundred times from my friends texting me, I finally hopped back on my phone, pressed pause in the movie. And uh, it was reported at the time too that his daughter yeah. had passed in in the the crash as well. Yeah. And for whatever reason, you know, I, I'm not. I don't have children. I don't fancy myself a person who even necessarily wants kids. I'm not sure about all that. Don't ask my girlfriend. But that was the that was what hit me. Mm-hmm. You know, to find out that his daughter uh, was on it, and they they showed some clip of them playing basketball together. And it's like the shock had finally worn off from the yeah. previous hour, and I just – I fucking lost it. You know what I mean? I just absolutely lost it. I thought it was – it was just finally time to embrace embrace the news at that moment. And then, and I did, and it was, you know, it was crazy, crazy emotional and sad. Well, it's a hard thing, I think, to get your head around for anyone because it's kind of – I mean, you know, it's kind of like a superhero. It's kind of like Spider-Man died or, or Superman died. You Guys, know what I mean? <clears throat> I had literally the most unique – experience that i could have ever imagined uh i'm working a mile away from staples center on a grammys production i do every year i'm on a production team you know with with a lot of folks that aren't necessarily sports fans aren't lakers fans um and everyone stopped <laughs> and it was it was like the whole city it stopped. was so surreal because everyone stopped what they were doing on one of the busiest you know, days of uh, of our, you know, event year, doing the Grammys and have a ton of stuff to do. And just for half an hour, it seemed like everyone was on their phones or shooting texts and figuring it out. And I mean, I, I've worked that party. Nobody stops during that party. Yeah, and everyone stopped. And being a mile away from Staples, you know, you could feel, you just could feel the, it was literally a, a, a cloud over over L.A., so it, it, it got me like I didn't think it would because after that, I went through the day. I got through the work day, a long day, and then I got back to my hotel in Koreatown uh, where we were put up for, for the event. And just, yeah, I'm, like you, TJ, I, I saw the photos of, of them in the Brooklyn game and Gigi, and that just that's just – there's nothing there's nothing really to take from that besides no. it's just awful. Now, TJ, uh, continuing throughout your day, uh, do you want to tell a little bit of what, what happened later that night? Well, I finished Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, a very quality flick, and again, it was <laughs> it was it was strangely um, comforting to have this movie about a fairy tale, you know, a Hollywood fairy. It was it was 
it was so strange uh, watching that movie while digesting this news because it, you know, and that's a movie about like averting a tragedy. It, it, spoiler alert: get your shit together, watch yeah. the movie. Yeah. But it's about you know what would have happened if Sharon Tate didn't get killed by the Charles Manson um, folks, and yep. and it is a happy ending on something that's so tragic, and it's about coming to Hollywood and making your, your dreams come true and all these different things. And, uh, so it was, it, it really, I, I don't know how to say it, but, but to say that it, there was some kind of like, um, kismic connection between that news and watching that movie. And I'll never see that movie a different way again in my life, other than knowing that I watched it, trying to digest that news yeah. uh, over that period of time. But yeah, so I was stoked about the, 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 the rumble. I mean, your boy had won two years in a row <laughs> I was ready to, you know, come and defend the the belt against all you clowns, um, but I just I just couldn't get it together. Like, yeah. and so I just told my 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 partner Aiden. I just said I want to go to Staples, and we drove down there. And I knew that the Grammys were happening, but it just it left my brain for the last five hours. And so when I got down there, unfortunately. Uh, I, I, oh, the Grammys are happening, which was is, which was a bizarre coincidence as well that yeah. night. Yeah. Um, so we drove around. I, I ended up never getting out of the car because mm. between the Grammy blockades, all the cops, and the hundreds, if not thousands, of purple and gold fans and motherfuckers that are, you know, they're in SUVs, monster trucks, purple and gold. <laughs> with the flags and the, and the horns and the fanfare, like these, like the, the Kobe army came out Yeah, and it was, it was bumper to bumper traffic and people everywhere. And, uh, we did, we did a, a lap around that whole area and you could see, you know, the crowds and everything. And we rolled the windows down and heard people chanting Kobe. And, you know, it was kind of enough. It was kind of enough to visually see staples and see all the fans and kind of be, you know, a block away from, from Graceland. And it, it, you know, basically the way I decided to do it when thinking about if I was going to go down there, I said, you know, 10 years from now, am I going to remember that I went to the Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble, or am I going to remember that I drove down to Staples Center the day Kobe died? Yeah. And that was kind of like, you know what, just, let's just do it. And so we did it. And I'm, I'm really glad I did. I'm amazed at how the city is sort of, uh, I mean, it's been a, obviously a topic of conversation everywhere I've gone, but everyone is kind of, uh, they've already it's not that they've already gotten over anything but they've already moved to the point that 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 tragedy brings you it's like you got to notice what's around you we have an interview later in the show with chris myers and he talks about the tragedies that he he's been cover he's been there to cover like he's talked about how it makes you realize what there is to live for in life like be around the people you love and and you know don't be afraid to smell the roses and all that stuff and that's what's happened across LA to me everywhere I go the coffee shops to work to to, to the gym everyone's talking you know checking in on people giving the smile giving the hey how are you more than they used to just because of what happened it sort of gives you that in the blink of an eye it can all be gone type uh, feeling and one thing TJ especially you know you're a Laker fan and I, I was struggling with the fact like why do I feel so much grief I have a hard time compartmentalizing grief especially with people that I've never met doesn't affect my family because you ultimately have to save the energy for at some point when you know someone that, that you love their numbers called you have to put the energy into that time and I thought about it and it, that's when I started getting emotional was like Kobe Bryant got drafted when I was nine years old mm. I remember watching as a 13 year old and with my late grandfather my papa and in, in, in my summer cottage watching him win his first NBA championship I remember 
the summer before my senior high, of high school, our Detroit Pistons, Bad Boys 2, beat their ass in five games for the NBA title. In 06, freshman year of college, the 81 game, 2010, I, the only time I saw him play when I lived in Scottsdale, the, the game for the Western Conference Finals, I got to see him play courtside. And I was like, oh, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't have an L.A. moment. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Yes, I did. 2016, his last game, I was in Big Wangs in North Hollywood. I watched him put up 60 on 50 shots, and that place was going absolutely bananas. And everyone was unified. It was, it was, it was like a World Cup match. Yeah. And that's what he did. You know, For 20 years, he was in our life for 20 years. And um, he wasn't a perfect person. Uh, he was by no means a perfect teammate. But his pursuit of excellence and his competitive drive and his tenacity is something that I'll never forget, and I want to you know, try to – enforce that in my own life he, he was an icon that stepped past sports uh completely like he, he he landed in la and did just so much more than play basketball well and to bring it back to your point tj sort of about you know how how uh you know timely and, and a moment of kismet that watching once upon a time in hollywood was you know i think it's because kobe was in many ways the los angeles story he was a kid from another city who had dreams of being a laker his whole life and came here and he busted his ass like so many people do trying to make it in Hollywood trying to make it in a city that is hard that 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 you know you you have to you have to rise above if you're going to make it here and he did um and I think that's what makes it hurt this city that much more and I mean I think it's in the simplicity of I mean who else in our who else can you think of who has a mundane daily task associated with their name you know what I mean? Yep. Shooting a freaking yeah. piece of paper into a wastebasket. Name me someone else who's got a mundane daily task like that where you yeah. reference that person when you do that. There you, isn't a person. It's learned, not there. You learn qu- you learn quickly when you moved here that this was a Kobe town. Oh, for sure. And it'll always be a Kobe town. It's hard to understand so, unless you live here. For sure. Senior- if I could, uh, I've probably come overly prepared whenever I'm a guest on the pod, and I couldn't think of. When I thought about what I could say, that would be different than all the amazing things and personal stories, folks. You know, I don't have much. Yeah. The only thing that is different that I can say is my personal experience. And one thing that I will share, two two things uh, real quick, is yeah. that um, a teenager, when I was uh, 16 years old, my dad for Christmas, I guess I was 15 technically at the time, my dad for Christmas got me Lakers tickets. Mm. And uh, it was the first NBA game I'd ever gone to. It was the first Laker game I'd ever gone to. And we lived in North Carolina, so we went and saw him play the Charlotte Hornets. Yep. And this was before they were the Bobcats. And, I, you know, I, I prided myself in the fact my dad was a huge baseball fan, a huge um, college basketball fan. He was not an NBA fan. That was kind of my thing. And he kind of enjoyed it, you know, exploring the NBA with me because it just wasn't his uh, slice of life. But he yeah. liked the fact that I was an NBA fan and thought it was cool. And so he got me tickets. And I'll just tell you very briefly about what that experience was like. But it was uh, it was February 22nd, 2002. Um, so this is the third year of the, of the three-peat with Shaq and Kobe. Mm-hmm. And they were in Charlotte. And I highly encourage anybody who's listening to this to look it up because it was uh, credited and – online as his very first buzzer beater it wow. was his very first buzzer beater that's awesome came down to it and i was in the building and not only was it from a guy who made a career off of highlights and buzzer beaters it is in retrospect so exciting to have you know been live and in person for his very first one but there's just a lot of history you know he was drafted by the hornets and ended up getting traded uh to the lakers and so there's a lot of history there between him and, and the charlotte hornets and um, obviously the third year of the three-peat was Shaq, and there's so much that kind of went into that, but I just always 
you know, I'll never forget it. He hits it, and if you go look on YouTube, he hits it. He celebrates with his teammate for about 10 seconds, and then he just takes off. He's just in, out the tunnel, out of the stadium and, and in a blink of an eye. And I just looked to my dad, and I, I was just – it was amazing. And the funny thing about it is I've seen the Lakers probably close to like seven or eight times since then. They fucking lost every single time. <laughs> I've seen play. Every single time. I've seen them play the Bobcats. I've seen them play here in L.A. I've seen them play one time I saw them play in Boston on Toby's, like the year before his retirement tour. They get crushed every time. But my very first experience live, my very first NBA game, was Kobe hitting his first buzzer beater nice. in 2002 uh, when I was 16 years old, and I'll never forget it. That's awesome. That's dude. awesome. That's awesome, and that uh, that wraps up our little section on uh, the loss of Kobe Bryant, a terrible event that happened. Also, John Altabelli, his wife Carrie and Alyssa, uh, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, Christina Mauser, and of course the pilot Ara, as well as Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Many tragedies, many lives lost that day, and it's tough tough to continue, but we will continue with our Super Bowl show. Thank you for Tony, calling Let me, in, let me squeeze in real quick. Let me get one more thing. Yeah. Real quick. I know we're running long. Uh, I saw this amazing post online that encouraged everyone who ever plays pickup basketball and who plays the game 21, which, Tony, I played you in a few times and I beat your ass. Mm -hmm. The encouragement is that it's no longer 21. It's 24. <laughs> and, if you, and if you go over 24, you don't go back to 10. You go back to 8. I like it. I like it a and lot. And I just thought that was incredible. And I, I encourage any you know ballers out there that if you're ever playing pickup, do it that way in his honor. And what I'll say is at the very end, y'all have some fun the rest of the pod. We will. We got energy fucker. coming. We got the Super Bowl coming up, the, the biggest competition of the NFL year. I'm excited have for some it. Fun. It's a big game. I can't wait to watch it with some of you guys this Sunday. Congrats on all the success with the pod. You know, I, I hope we have a good game. I'm excited totally for it. Totally, bud. Thank you for calling, TJ. And after this, guys, it's time to talk football. All right, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble! It's Super Bowl Sunday! Woo! The here we Super go. Bowl is here, Woo! the big kahuna, the final stage, the last stop on the NFL season, and we have the Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers, talent everywhere. Gambling is difficult, but we are still here to make you money a huge show for you guys today we're going to break down the game in the first section we have an interview with sideline reporter chris myers on this show giving us great insight on how he sets up and prepares for uh, the big sunday he's gonna be at the sideline in his hometown boys unbelievable unbelievable he's gonna be on every tv across america on sunday and we got him here on the left coast gamblers and at the end of the show we're gonna do what we do best we're gonna make you money we have sides we have overs we have prop bets player props so halftime shows and we have we have gone through them all 
spend so much time filing through useless bets over and over and over again. <laughs> oh I found betting sites line. that existed that I didn't even know existed. We did this for you guys. We did this for me, too, because I'm trying to make money myself. But we did this for you guys. We are making you money on props that we know are going to hit that's coming at the end of the show. But first, guys, we've got to talk about the game itself, the big game, a very exciting game. Dangles, can you set us up? What's the setting going to be like on Sunday? Oh, man. All right. Here we go to Miami Gardens. It's Hard Rock Stadium. I always thought it was kind of a weird-looking stadium. It's got those, like, four pillars yeah, on, on the sides of it. It's strange looking, but it's where the Super Bowl will be. Uh, we have the 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Boom. The line, gentlemen, is a point and a hook. Oh, a man. point and a hook. If you, got in, if you got in at just one point, you were lucky. If you didn't uh, and bided your time well, now you're going to have to pay for that hook. And the over, uh, I'm seeing it at both at 54 and a half and 55 and a half, depending on where you look. We'll call it 55 because I'm sure, boys, the market will push that up to uh, double nickel, 55. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting game. The over-under is very high, much different than last year with the <laughs> the Patriots and Rams. If we get a Super Bowl like Ooh. we did last year, I'll be very surprised. going to be a lot of points in this game. Kansas City, San Fran, firepower on both sides. We're going to break this down the, way we on- the only way we know how. If you've been listening to the Left Coasters podcast in years past, when we get to the Super Super Bowl is only one game to talk about, and we dive into it deep. We're going to go through position battles right now, and let's start off at the top, the most important position on the field. I think this one is easily given to Kansas City because uh-huh. he has Patrick well, Mahomes, I the mean, reigning MVP. He's the best player on the field, but, I think. But you do have pretty Jimmy. Jimmy Garoppolo in his first time to make to get a ring that's his own. He's won one with New England, but that was when he was on the bench. Now he's out there in the fire. They haven't really used him in the past two weeks. They've been able to beat teams like my... My Green Bay Packers, may they rest in peace. They've been able to beat them without Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's obvious when you're playing Pat Mahomes, you're going to need him to step up. Dangles, you know Jimmy better than anyone who's on your team for a few years. He was maybe the savior, the future of your franchise. Now he's playing on a Super Bowl for another team. Do you think Pretty Jimmy has what it takes to step up and match Patrick Mahomes? Oh, absolutely. As a protege of Tom Brady, I think the, that kind of comes, you learn that early on. You kind of you see it firsthand, and Jimmy Garoppolo got to spend his formative years, I mean, yes, on the bench, but watching the greatest of all time play the game. Now. Granted, Brady was not much of a mentor in the, you know, in the sense you might think yeah. to Garoppolo. That's not he doesn't see that as his job. And I certainly understand that from a uh, professional uh, standpoint. But this kid is gritty. He's got a great arm. Um, I, I still question his decision making after instead of uh, stepping out of bounds last year, he tried to make a juke and tore his ACL. Yep. Like you can't do that kind of stuff if you're going to survive a football season. But this kid can throw the ball and he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders because, yeah, the San Fran running game is good. But eventually they are going to have to throw the ball against this Kansas City defense, a very good secondary. And when they do, he's going to have to be good with a wide receiving core that on paper isn't super sexy. Yeah. Dangles, you said it best. Uh, you still question his decision-making. Do we trust Jimmy Garoppolo? That is the question we need to answer. Now, all he's done this playoffs is handoff. Now, people have said, oh, he hasn't done anything. Well, he hasn't had to. Yep. That's probably by design. They're kind of playing a little possum there. Yep. I don't have a problem with that. He has, he's got two late-season solid, uh, late solid shootout wins against the Rams when he led a fourth-quarter comeback, and, of course, the Saints game, the game of the year. But that is going to be the big question. Does Jimmy G, does he get the trust of his head coach, Kyle Shanahan? And I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball as easily as they have against other teams. Chris Jones seemingly fully healthy. The whole entire Kansas City defense seemingly fully healthy. I think it's going to fall on uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And also another guy that hasn't been used the first two playoff wins, George Kittle. He's been used as an inline blocker, just blowing people up on the line, giving those holes for those running backs to follow. He's probably the best running uh, run blocking tight end in the NFL. I think they're going to need him to start to stretch the field a little bit more because, as you said, Dangles, 
those wide receivers. Emmanuel Sanders, a great veteran, a guy you can trust, but also you have Debo Samuels, a speed guy. They don't really have a lot of consistent threats, possession receivers. Kittle is that Kendrick Bourne, if anyone, I guess, is who I would point to. He has been one of the most consistent guys they've had. I feel like he's in the in number 84 in, re, uh, in uh, I'm sorry, in white uh, on Sunday. Watch for him. He seems to always end up in the end zone somehow when they're playing, and guys, especially in the playoffs. George Kittle, their best weapon all year has been George Casper this this postseason. <laughs> Just a ghost, That's but terrible, Drew. no. I in mean, you know, to Dave come on, Casper. Yeah, no, no, the, Casper the, the friendly Raiders ghost. Casper the friendly ghost. Oh, okay, because he's been non-existent in the receiving game, but he is a bulldozer and likes to knock the shit out of defenders. It'll be very interesting to see how he gets incorporated in the offensive game plan through the air. Now, on the opposite side, you got Patty Mahomes, reigning MVPs, turned it on this postseason, fully healthy himself, throwing to his litany of weapons. Chris Myers brought it up later in this in this show. We recorded the interview last week, so I already know what Chris is saying, and he brought up a fact <laughs> that we need to alert. talk about. Those four defensive linemen for San Fran can create pressure by themselves. And if you're going to trouble Pat Mahomes, it's not when you send an extra rusher because he's too good, he will find the holes in the defense. It's using those four men against the five offensive linemen to try and make Pat make quick decisions fast. San Fran has the people to do that. Do you think there's going to be – I mean – Talking about prop bets in the future, the line mm-hmm. right now is San Fran total sacks over two and a half. I think I think I'm leaning over on that. I do think the four down linemen for San Fran create hell for Patrick, and I, I think they give uh, Jimmy G a chance to make his mistakes, but also be in the game. Well, it's interesting, Tony. As I was preparing for the game, trying to do a really good deep dive for our listeners, uh, there's been a big, you know, there's been a big um, just commotion about oh Quan Alexander D Ford they're back they're healthy well honestly in their first two playoff games they've graded below average yeah. on their performance rating so I'm not really sure if that's an advantage to San Francisco I think they'd like to kind of put their hat on the wall there and say oh we're we're fully healthy we got Quan we got D Ford back um, I, I'm curious to see how that's going to translate on Sunday because you know I think it goes without saying San Francisco an amazing amazing year awesome team but Patrick Mahomes is playing a new level right now. I mean, we've, we've heard it said a couple of times, you know, when you can bring pressure with just four guys and create pressure on every team that you play, it's pretty awesome to be able to drop seven guys back in coverage. You feel pretty good about your pass defense when you're able uh, able to do that. Especially with Sherman back there. I'm just saying, that Kansas City offensive line, Eric Fisher and uh, Mitchell Swartz, you two tackles. They mm. have been to Pro Bowls, but in my opinion, they can be beaten, especially against studs like Nick Bosa. That the Chiefs do have, by the way, fun fact, the only doctor, MD doctor, on their offensive line. They just did a great <laughs> – you should, you should seriously, you should go look it up. Sam Farmer uh, in the L.A. Times just did a great profile on this guy uh, before before the Super Bowl. It's a really fun story. Um, he's, he's French, I believe, or Austrian or something like that. He's from Europe. He's got his. He's an MD doctor. He got it from McGill in Canada. It's it's super cool. I'm sure he uh, uses that degree. I was gonna say all, all that schooling. Hey man, he figured out how he's to stop this defensive line after football. Not oh. a lot of guys can say that. Absolutely. But Dangles, do you think Pat Mahomes, when he's back there, is gonna need? Uh, they cannot keep Travis Kelsey in to help block. Travis Kelsey is such a weapon. No, he's got to be out. He's got to be. Yeah. What do you think their plan is? Do you think they're going to say our offensive line can stop San Fran's D-line? Do you think they're going to run some draws, some screens, something to get them off the field? What do you, what do you think? I mean, uh, I think you'll see a mix of both. I think you want to you want to keep them on their toes. But at the end of the day, I think Kansas City believes their offensive line is good enough to go up against these front four. They, the, You know, Mitchell Schwartz is very good. You you know, uh, 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 you mentioned Eric Fisher, obviously. Both both of these guys have been to Pro Bowls. Um, Duvernay Tardif is the, yeah. is, the, is the doctor. He's been very good this year. I think they just – they think they 
they can go out and butt heads and just go toe-to-toe and punch each other in the face, and they believe their offensive line will come out on top. They have the tools to, to, to run the screens on Kansas City's side of the ball, obviously. I think that's probably what they use Damian Williams for more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but and so you, I'm sure you will see a little bit of that to try and keep the defense honest. But at the end of the day, I think it's just going to be let's go out there and, and put our helmets together and see who is uh, the better line. Now, we'll get into this as we go through our prop bets and how we see the game is going. But Kansas City, their first two playoff games, it was the tale as old as time. They did it two yep. times in a row. They Houdini. Went, they went down early to lesser teams, and then before halftime was even out, they roared back in the second quarter sure. and took a lead Yeah, themselves. I don't think time of possession is a huge factor in this game. We know how fast both of these teams but can against, score. But against San Fran who has arguably the best defense, obviously the best defense that's left in sports, but could have been the best NFL defense all year. I don't think Kansas City can afford to go down a touchdown or more early against this San Fran team and hope to catch up and try to beat them that way. And, Tony, I I, I hate to correct you, but I think it's kind of an old narrative that San Francisco's defense is the best in the league. Now, I'm looking this up. 11 points points per game in their first seven games graded at the top five defense. So the last nine games, they've given up 26 points a game. So literally bottom, bottom half. Yeah. So it's very bizarre to me that this idea. So you're saying we're blinded by this pass rush, essentially. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're blinded by the sexiness of, 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 you know, watching San Francisco just destroy. Watching teams. six foot eight men yeah. just chew watching, up every watching offensive ba- line. Watching Baker Mayfield, who's <laughs> built like me, uh, go against Monday night and get his just teeth kicked in. But saying that, um, they are they are healthy. Now we talked about Quan yeah. and we talked about uh, Ford coming back. Um, I, I think you know it goes without saying. What Dangle said, what Chris said, their ability to put pressure on Mahomes and keep him in that pocket. It's a little spoiler to my to one of my favorite prop bets. I think they have a chance, but if, if Mahomes can do what he did against the Tex or sorry, against the Titans, yeah. get outside the pocket and scramble for some first downs or some big plays, I think that spells trouble. Also, how about this? No one's talked about this the whole the, the whole lead up to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs had to go through the AFC South, kind of weak division. The the 49ers go through the NFC North. No offense, Tony. Kind of a weak division. Settle down. So I, d- <laughs> I don't think that either of these teams have been really truly tested to huh. get here. And I'm very I'm very curious to see when they match up. Uh, who's who's going to start out fast? I can tell we're all raring to go to the prop bets, but first, before we get there, I do want to break down the coaching matchup because either side, this is a redemptive story. Mm. Andy Reid has had he's been so close so many times with Philadelphia and with Kansas City. He's never had a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes this close, but he's been there. He's been he's reached for the gold and he hasn't gotten there. Kyle Shanahan. 28 to 3 dangles you watched it with your own eyes he was there there was nothing they could do to lose that game and they ended up losing that game i think both of these guys are offensive geniuses i think they have the locker rooms built around absolutely them. do you think there is even the slightest advantage on either side with shanahan or andy reed if anyone i'm going to give it to it's andy reed for the experience factor and that he has been in this situation and that he knows what the the pressures are like i mean not that i mean kyle shanahan has obviously but i even even in a coordinator role versus a head coaching role the pressure are different the responsibilities are different the the control that you have is different and 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 then sort of cu- through that the 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 consequences are different for you as a head coach so if i anyone i give it slightly to Andy Reid, but only because he has that experience doing it as a head coach um yeah that yeah that would be i, I think just slightly to Andy Reid. i agree with you dangles and statistically the numbers back me up andrew andy Reid, 30 times he's played off a bye he's 24 and 6 straight up he is 20 and 10 against 
the number. That's sixty six percent. Now listen, Shanahan clearly no slouch. Yeah. Something tells me I'd make a I'd make a sizable wager right now that he will be back in this game before his career is said and done. Oh, clearly. Of course. But of course, you know he he. 28 to 3, right? That's all we hear. He was up 28 to 3 with the yeah. Falcons. It's one and sna- I mean, look, but I love that moment as much as the next guy, but it's a snapshot of his career. And, and if you're going to look that. at just one thing or the whole litany of his career, which is that he's one of the hottest young offensive <laughs> minds in the game. Not only that, Van Pellet said it best. They were up 28 to 3. <laughs> they they were it. dominated until that point. <laughs> they did. They it. choked it kind of down, but they, they they got that 25 point margin against the world that de- you know the I mean, that doesn't world fall all yeah. on the offense. You of know course what I mean? Not. Like- That's what I'm saying. Like I, I think that is way overblown. The fact that he blew that game, it wasn't his fault. I mean, he, I don't he know how much Shanahan yeah. played calling. Shanahan wasn't calling the defensive but plays out there. To answer your question, slight edge for Andy Reid. It's going to be interesting. Plus, he has Hawaiian shirts and huge. No matter cows. no matter who wins this game, it's either going to be the wonder kid QB winning his first of hopefully many Super Bowls or the wonder kid young coach. Coach winning his first of many Super Bowls. A very interesting game this Sunday. But before we get to making you money, and that's what we're here to do, make you money on these prop bets. You can bet on anything. You can bet on the color of the Gatorade being dumped on that winning head coach. I might have done that. Oh, God, Dangles. Before dangles, we even get there, it. we have an interview with a man who is going to be there, Mr. Chris Myers. We have him on the line. He gave us a great interview talking about his love for Miami, his hometown, and what he's going to do to prep for this Sunday. He's going to be on your TV. He's going to be in every home across America, and we got him on this show, and that's coming up next. Left Coasters. And welcome back to the Left Coast Gamblers. As always, Tony Cavallo joined by Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crookson, and Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. And as I said at the start of the show, our next guest needs no introduction, but guys, I couldn't help myself. So from starting at Miami's WKAT radio station, interviewing the likes of Don Shula and Muhammad Ali, to now returning to his hometown Miami to be on the sidelines for the big game. Our next guest was there when my Packers defeated Big Ben in Super Bowl XLV. He was there, Dangles, when your Patriots came back against Matty Ice in Super Bowl 28-3, and he was there, Drew, when your Detroit Lions... um lost a wild card game in 2014. Oh, great. Thanks, Tony. He has dined with dignitaries whilst covering the Olympics and revved in revelry with the Rednecks covering NASCAR, and now he joins the Left Coast Gamblers. So please, welcome to the show with a fresh set of downs, Mr. Chris Myers. Welcome to the show, sir. All right. Well, thank you for the introduction. I'm honored. I've heard a lot about you guys from one <laughs> friend, but that's okay. He's a loyal friend. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We we uh, we love and appreciate Mr. Carlin very much. So that's uh, that's very well said, sir. And Chris, I got to tell you, man, you're talking to three guys here in their early 30s. We came up. Uh, in the 90s when Sports Center was taken off at old ESPN. And I remember my parents used taking away Sports Center as a discipline tactic. They wouldn't ground me. They would take away Sports Center. I remember one very specific show you were anchoring. I tried to get my little fix in, tried to flip on the tube. My mom caught me red-handed. So I feel you've been part of my life forever, pretty much. <laughs> well, I'm glad about that. It was funny because Mike Tarico and I, we, we would do the late 2 a.m. Eastern time in frigid Bristol, Connecticut, sports center which was really the west coast left coast version and it would rerun in the morning and we would just redo the last 30 seconds of the end of the show and and people thought that we were there in the morning doing like hours upon hours of, of <laughs> sports center and uh, those were some fun times in the early years of uh, building that up but but now it's on to fox of so the growth of another sports network in a, in a big game but i, I appreciate you after a decade at espn and Wow, almost 20 now at, at Fox. Time uh, time really flies. That's amazing. And Mike Tarico, Syracuse grad, you got two Cuse alums on the pod right now. 
Yeah, Mike was, uh, he's done terrific, obviously, in his career. There was quite a few of uh, behind-the-scenes producers, production people that, that graduated and spent time at, at Syracuse. I believe Steve Levy's another one who I, I, I stay in touch with and has done quite well. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, we are known for our broadcast school, uh, uh, if, if for nothing else. Chris, I'm curious, um, you've, I mean, as Tony mentioned in your intro, you've done a lot of things, uh, just about everything any sports broadcaster would want to do, including Westminster. Is there any Anything left on your like broadcaster bucket list that you haven't covered yet that that you'd still like to? Well, no, it's funny there. You know, there were things when I started out, and you guys mentioned in the early years of Sports Center. You know, I didn't know there'd be an NFL network, and we didn't know there'd be a Fox Sports network that that and cable network that mm-hmm. does what it does. So, and and now in, in terms of social media, the digital world, and streaming, uh, there are things unfolding that we probably wouldn't have envisioned years ago. So, uh, so far, so good. I, you know, NFL baseball are kind of my original passions, but having experienced NASCAR and, and the Westminster Dog Show, which I'll do again this February, the Daytona awesome. 500, uh, some, some boxing, I, I like it. And, and then doing some Cubs baseball. So um, whatever comes along, if it's a challenge, if it's sports, especially if it's, if it's live and happening and, and unpredictable and involves people, uh, then, then I'm in. So I pretty much have done kind of the things I wanted to. I just want to keep con- continuing uh, because because every time you go to an event, you, you really don't know the outcome. That's what's great about sports. You can't you can't finish it like a movie or a script. It, it really just kind of unfolds naturally. Chris, I got to ask you, you know, based on what you just said, we were emailing with each other and uh, you're from Miami. You got your start at 16 years old, you know, interviewing uh, Shula, Muhammad Ali. How does it feel for you to be going back to your hometown to be part of the broadcast team for the biggest sporting event in the world. Can you even like picture that in your wildest dreams? Yeah, no, it's kind of that's a cool question because I, I was thinking about this, you know, thinking about players who grow up, uh, you know, dreaming of, you know, they throw the ball, football in the backyard. Well, one day I might be in a Super Bowl or throwing the ball like a Jimmy Garoppolo or or Mahomes, and and I, I grew up just being a fan of, of sports, but also media and interview shows and radio and talk shows and TV. And so my my dream was at watching uh, the Super Bowl and the broadcast. That 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 was my dream. So I reflected a little bit upon that going back here. So. That's kind of how I, I think of it. I, I, it was a dream as a kid. I didn't know a Super Bowl would be in Miami, and there would even be a Fox network doing it with Troy Aikman, a Hall of Fame quarterback, mm-hmm. and Joe Bucket, and Aaron Andrews on the other sideline, and, and, and guys like Mahomes and, and Garoppolo in the game. But, but somehow you have a vision, you have a feeling. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really it is a special moment because of where it is. And the irony of the radio station, which you mentioned in the intro, is WKAT was a 5,000-watt all talk format, cat with a K, and they had, you know, they had they had political talk and they had entertainment talk and sports talk, and and it was located on on Miami Beach back then. There there wasn't wow. the hot South Beach scene, and I was around the corner where this small station was. I didn't even have a driver's license yet. My father had to drop me off on weekends, and and it was funny. It was around uh, the, the Bee Gees had their recording studio not too far <laughs> from there on, on Alden Road, and now we're going to go back. We're going to be staying at you know the Fox Hotel is on South Beach, which is quite a, an international scene with hot models and and the sports crowd and then of course the the super bowl game itself so yeah it is kind of kind of kind of come full circle but you don't you don't forget your roots and the the beginnings and uh, so it's kind of a special feeling now our last interview that we had mr ephraim salam he had played in uh, the atlanta super bowl down in miami he said as a young kid he rented a a hummer a stretch hummer to sort of drive around the town are you going to rent anything special for you to enjoy uh, (laughs) miami with (laughs) 
Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know if Fox will spring for a convertible <laughs> so I can impress my, my old high school buddies. But I, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll have some of them drive me around and uh, go back over. I've been back a few times covering games and things like that, but, but not for a Super Bowl. And that's what makes this one so, so special. But, yeah, because I grew up in Miami, and then I went to high school in the, in the Hollywood uh, Fort Lauderdale area, and then mm-hmm. eventually moved up there before I, I moved on to to work in local TV, and then and then moved out of there. So all of South Florida, from from South Beach or Miami Beach to Fort Lauderdale. But I'll, every time I go back, I love kind of taking a few moments, just kind of wander around and and, and take it all in. And and uh, I always say I have sand in my shoes from that growing up. You know, <laughs> going to the beach after school, it was kind of a fun time. Absolutely. Well, and you get to still spend a little bit of time there, right? Uh, during like uh, you know August and stuff, because you still do the uh, preseason football for the Bucks, right? Yes, in in, uh, in Tampa Bay, and I do usually drive down, and, and the Buccaneers usually play traditionally the Dolphins in the preseason, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a home-and-home home series, so if we don't do it in Tampa, we do it in the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area, and I, it's funny, I get to, you know, Bob Greasy's now part of their preseason bo- broadcast crew, and, and along with Shula, as I was a teenager coming up, he was just finishing up his career, but mm-hmm. he's, he engineered that perfect season, and, and again, you now his son is doing broadcasting, and so it's it's uh, it's really kind of a fascinating time to uh, and man, people talk about Garoppolo, you know, winning a championship game, not throwing a lot of passes. Bob Greasy and then the Dolphins and Shula is before the Dan Marino era. They won a lot of games with, with Larry Zonka and, and, and Jim Kick and Mercury Morris running the football and, and that no-name defense back back in the day. So there's still a lot of ways to win a football game. Absolutely. Chris, we do want to um, get your thoughts on the Super Bowl coming up. But, you know, looking at your biography, talking to Mr. Car- Carlin, you've been a part of some incredible Live events, unfortunately, some 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 very intense events. Notably, the earthquake in '89, the the Atlanta bombings in the in the um, uh, Olympics, and obviously the 2001 Daytona 500. What, in your opinion, is the most moment where you were in awe as a broadcaster during a live event? Well, those moments they go they go quickly from, and you know, you, you you're a sports fan and you love the live sports and you study broadcasting and journalism and 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 you know you have a little bit of a news reporter background. But when something like that happens at the Earthquake World Series or the Olympic bombing and even the first NASCAR event that I did for mm-hmm. Fox where it was the Daytona 500 when Dale Earnhardt, you know, the senior, the father hit the wall and, and died. So those, they quickly change from fun and games and, uh, you know, competition of winning and losing to, to life-altering moments and, and families are, are, are affected. And, and so you, it's a different kind of a mode, you know, you shift yeah. into, you, you have to, you have to dig a little bit deeper for things like that. So there's the reporter news side of you. And then there's also the human element sure. and they, they've all been uh, in different ways. Even Hank gathers uh, my first year at ESPN when he fell on the court and then later died from, from, from the heart attack, mm. interviewing OJ Simpson on, on up close wow. live was kind of a different experience and in a different way, still people's lives were lost in that in that in that trial so uh, it just changes i mean i i could have gone and you know you think about your career into the news route but i wanted to, to be in sports because of the fun and games and at the end of the day you know hey we all you know there's a winner or a loser and you move on uh those are those make you think differently uh, about people's lives and about what we do so i, I it was they were tough experiencing those things but it does make you grateful for the good things we have and and when when sporting events come off without any kind of tragedy Absolutely. And you talked about how the sports are the fun and games, but I have a lot of interest. I know you guys do a lot of work, a lot of research and prepping for these games. And I want to know with the Super Bowl week, it's the last game on the schedule. All the eyes are going to be on you. I mean, you're going to be you're going to be attending every Super Bowl party around the country when you're on TV. So the work that goes into it, when does the rest of the team come into Miami? When do you guys start prepping? Have you already started prepping? Like when do the emails come out on what you're going to focus on? 
Yeah, they've already started, and and we, uh, you know, I'll be in Miami really the whole week. And I'll, the advantage of being on the broadcast crew, this will be the sixth Super Bowl that I that I've done as part Damn. of the actual network broadcasting. And you know, you get to go to the practices, and you get to meet with the players uh, uh, privately without cameras and writers and things like that. And they often will tell you, and your director, and a guy like Troy Aikman who's sitting there, uh, they'll give you a little more information, so you kind of have a gauge of where things are expected to go in a game, whether it's this guy's plan because of this reason or this matchup we like. And, and you you know, they trust that you're going to keep that until the game and and not not reveal. I'll be – Aaron Andrews will have the 49ers sideline. I'll be on the the Chiefs uh, sideline. Nice. You know, doing play-by-play during the year and all the other kind of broadcasts, you know, you build up relationships with players and and, and coaches. So so that helps. But the the preparation here, about 90% of it, really, you you end up not using – at least from this role as the field reporter, because the game is so fast Absolutely. and that will dictate what you get in and where. And it's really one of the most challenging things you do because you, unlike talk radio, which I, you know, I love where you have a lot of time or even a TV broadcast where you're, you're the play by player, you can expound on things here. It's for the reporter. You got to fit that in between the snap of the ball or, or a penalty or a commercial break or Joe or Troy talking. And so it's those 20, 30 second inserts. It's loud. It's crazy, but you got to make that information count. And so a lot of the preparation you do, then it's reacting when you get to game day. Is, is there an equipment problem with a player? Is, mm-hmm. is there an injury that I have to report on? Uh, is something going on that I'm noticing that they, you know, Troy or Joe want us to check during a break and relay information. So we have a lot more cameras, a lot more audio, and we have some help down on the sideline, but the preparation really starts I would say now, and then when we get down there, it kind of you kind of narrow the focus a little bit, and then the kind of the last 48 hours, you're just sitting around waiting, and I can only imagine what a player feels like to kind of kick it off and go. <laughs> and you brought up uh, Miss Andrews, how she'll be on the Niners sideline, you'll be on the Chiefs sideline. I have a double part question here: A, how is that decided? Who gets what sideline? And B, is there a fun like competitive atmosphere with your sort of warring reporter on the other sideline? You know, you're trying to get the scoop ahead of her type that, <laughs> or are you guys working mostly together? <laughs> you know, we. You well, we were because I've known Aaron for for years, and and Joe and Troy. And it really is kind of a team, and and that's what needs to work. And our producer Richie Zions does a really good job of making sure everybody kind of has their space and listens to each other and fits in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Aaron uh, does the. She usually when I'm doing play by play during the year with Daryl Johnston on our NFL and our Fox crew, yep. uh, she does the Thursday night and the Sunday doubleheader with Joe and Troy. Uh, pretty much, she's the only reporter, and sometimes Christina Fink will will join her on Thursday. So she usually gets first call during the when I join up with them in the postseason gotcha. the Super Bowl. Even going back a few years before she joined Fox, I was with Pam Oliver, and that was kind of the same the same setup. But we really we talk it over. I mean, she'll talk about if she has a better relationship with a certain team or a quarterback or a player because that's really what it's about. Last year when we were doing it, she she knew that I had a good working relationship with the Rams and Jared Goff, so she was like, you know what, you should you take them, I'll take the the Cowboys or the Saints or whoever yeah. they play, and it just works out that you know, hey, they're on a roll and you, you ride with that team throughout. But we're, we're both working together. We communicate before and after and even during the game when we can about the information just to make sure, as you said, the game this big, you just can't miss anything, Absolutely. whether you're up in the booth or on the field or our cameras. We have to make sure we have, you know, if there's, if there's something going on and a viewer needs to know everything, why a guy's not in the game or why this guy wasn't playing or what happened here, and we need to give as, as accurate uh, the information as we can. This is something that we've always wondered, Chris, uh, as guys who just love football and uh, obsessively watch it. As a reporter, do you feel, obviously football is a, a game of momentum, do you feel as a reporter the momentum shift 
uh, based on a turnover or a big play, whether it be good or bad. And do you think sometimes as a reporter, you know in your head, you kind of can predict the outcome of the game based on that momentum shift? Yes, you really do feel that. And I, I, I've talked and, and had sat with analysts, you know, who, who've lived it. And then I've talked to players. I happen to be, I know what he said, you were a Packer fan. I was on the, the Packers sideline in that, that horrendously blown game against the Seahawks where mm. they lost it. And, and I could feel, you know, and that's where I saw the beginning of the Aaron Rodgers-Mike McCarthy relationship visibly wow. uh, dissolving. Oh, because tell me about it, sir. one guy wanting to play it safe and the other guy, let's go for the dagger. And then it was almost like, you know, what the hell? What can I? So I, and you and you could see, I didn't, I didn't know they'd lose in overtime and it would happen like that. Mm. Just like on the sideline when I was on the Patriot, I was on the other sideline when Atlanta had the lead and I thought that was over. But I will give the Patriots credit everyone. because there was never, and I won't even say panic, they were very organized about, okay, well, whatever the score is we know we are good at this we can do this I think we can push the, the other team to do that and, and the other team the Falcons played into their hands and that happened even even in this game uh, I was on the 49ers sideline Sunday and when Rodgers I look I thought the 49ers were going to win anyway but when Rodgers when that fumble happened yep and the game to me you could you, you just felt whatever momentum whatever chance the Packers had it was deflating it didn't mean they gave up but you just had that you do get that sense and there are those, mom- those momentous shifts, and sometimes it's a, it's a mistake. Sometimes it's just a great play, or it's a reaction by a player. And it's really a cool thing to be a part of when, when you're down. And on the field, you, you feel it much more than when you're up in the booth. Wow, that's uh, that's some great insight, man. Absolutely, that's, that's, I love that's that. That's cool. We've always wondered that, you know, as as guys who who, who dabbled in broadcast journalism, obviously Dangle says it per, for a profession, but to be on the sideline in the trenches, um, you know, oh, do it's something you, you dream of? Yeah, absolutely. And just and just knowing that the, that momentum has uh, that has shifted. Have you ever been a part of uh, uh, of an encounter where a team has told you? Uh, kind of bug off or, you know, this is private or they kind of like shoot you away from, from a potential <laughs> conversation? Yeah, we have, well, we're not allowed. It's interesting. The league doesn't allow me or any sideline reporter to quote directly. Not that we would ever huh. give up any information about a play or anything like that, but sometimes you might hear on the sideline a guy will say something and you'd like to quote him directly because it helps in the broadcast. So we have to paraphrase or kind of simplify or round off the the conversation. Hey, you know, they're, they're concerned about this guy at this spot or whatever. Uh, so there, there's some of that. I, I have the Patriots have and, and Bill Belichick who, who knows every, <laughs> Color me everybody's doing everywhere. <laughs> yeah, this won't surprise you at all. He has the, he has a big, I don't know, I just call him his bouncer. Uh, but on the <laughs> sideline, and you're allowed to stand in certain spots as the reporter, uh, but but he, he would, this big guy would come along and he would say, you've been here more than 10 seconds, move along. <laughs> <laughs> I take a step over so I could still <laughs> eavesdrop to see what Brady and McDaniel's are talking about. He would say, "No, you got to be further than that. You've been there ten seconds." And so it's like he's trying to nudge me off the off the field practically. So I had to maneuver around him a little bit and <laughs> lean on some people for help. But that's that's really the only one. There was one other time too where I was in Green Bay, and I'm a warm weather guy from Florida, as you yep. know, and I. I went to my. It was it was the one where uh, the, the Packers lost to the Giants. You know where Coughlin's oh, face was freezing you're off. You're killing me like here, Mr. Myers. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was uh, so I, I I put on like I didn't know I came with a simple winter coat. I needed like two hats and a long coat. And uh-huh. I, I think it was one of the punter for the Packers said to me before the game. He said, "You're going to go on TV looking like that." And I said, "You know, you just kick the ball." Let me. <laughs> 
And then I was so cold, I was standing near the, the heating. You know, they have these gas heaters, and when the players move, I kind of lean in to warm up. Or the, one of the linemen said, hey, are you smoking a cigarette? I said, no. He goes, well, your coach smoking. And I looked, and I had caught the edge of it caught fire. I got too, too close to their heater. So uh, there have been some times where, as a sideline reporter, you never hear these stories, but I was kind of in the way of things, or at least people thought I was in the way. But I've gotten a little better about that. That won't be a problem in Miami. No, not at all. Thankfully. Not at all. Got to keep the quick feet on those sidelines. Really quickly, before we let you go, we do have the game coming up. I know you can't make a pick, but you watch football more than anyone probably, and you see these two teams all throughout the season. You've been breaking them down all year. Do you think uh, there's a key matchup out there between these two teams that we should focus in on when, when we're trying to break down this game? Yeah, and I, I think the simple one is, and, and it, it really is the, the 49er defensive line. You could say their whole defense, but because I think their secondary is underrated, and I think they're very good at their coverages and how they do things. Even though everybody thinks Richard Sherman is beatable, and he is, there's a way that they scheme around him and kind of mm-hmm. trick people to, to throwing in his area, and they end up paying the, the, the price ultimately. But that defensive line that they drafted well, and I, I have just seen them throughout the year, even in an off game, dominate everybody is it enough to win the game especially against a guy like Mahomes right? mm. and and all the weapons that the Chiefs offense has and their creativity with with Andy Reid so that's one side of the story and then the other side is how you know how, how do the Chiefs I know the defense is improving but I I mean this and I saw this three-pronged running attack I, I did three or four different 49er games during the year and each time I mean they started out with a Matt Breida and then it was you know, it was Tevin Coleman's turn, and now it's Raheem Mostert. It almost doesn't matter mm-hmm. who's carrying the ball. They open up holes, and that guy delivers. And, and then you have Kittle, and you have Garoppolo, who is capable. I mean, I, you know, he's not Mahomes, but he can he can win the game for you. That's the other side of it. Did the 49ers just control the game by running over people like they did? You know, that Packer defense wasn't all that bad, and they made them look bad. So uh, that's how I kind of view the game. But I like it that it, that it, it looks like at least odds makers, and you guys know more than it, you know, that it's that competitive. It's a yeah, point or two sure. either way, and and hopefully a high-scoring game, unlike the Super Bowl last year, which <laughs> I thought would be uh, high-scoring. So to me, whether the, you know, that's how I look at it, at least going in. And I, I might tell you something differently once I'm down there and we meet with the teams and I watch practice. But that's stuff that you know we'll have to save till we till we open up the broadcast. But I am excited we got we got the matchup we got because I think there are a lot of great storylines. And then there's the Andy Reid sentimental part too about mm-hmm. a guy who. You know who probably deserves a, a Super Bowl, and then the other side, Kyle Shanahan joining his dad as a as a sure. champ. So a, a lot more that will unfold. It's an awesome matchup. So many stories, and in these quick twenty minutes, you brought up my Packers losing to San Fran, my Packers losing to Seattle, and my Packers I losing love to it. the Giants. He's my favorite guest. So you made my two co-hosts very happy by bashing <laughs> yeah. my Packers. At least I was there. I was there when you when you beat Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers. That's in, right. In, uh, in Texas. That's so that right. Was still fun to watch. That's how we opened the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Myers. It was a joy to have you on, and I can't wait to see you on Sunday. All right, anytime. Yeah, enjoy the Super Bowl. Left Coasters. Hey, this is Tony, and thank you for listening to the Left Coast Gamblers. We are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, leave us a review. Leave us five stars. Five seconds of your time is five new listeners for us. You can also find us on Twitter, at Left Coasters Pod, and on Instagram and Facebook by searching the Left Coast Gamblers. Check out our pages each week for new contests, live tweeting and posting on NFL Sundays, behind-the-scenes content, and more ways to engage with the show and make you money. And as always, thank you for listening.
All right, boys, here we are. We've been doing it all year. From the beginning of Drew going 10-4 and on his max bets during the regular season to the end of the regular season where Dangle started hitting money line parlays to my wonderful, wonderful moves in the playoffs that have won me money. We have all done what we have set out to do for our listeners, and that is make you money. And we have arrived at the final stage, the final boss battle of sorts. More money is spent in Vegas on this day than any other day during the year. It is Super Bowl Sunday. The reason why there is so much money spent on the game is because because you can bet so much more than just the game itself. You can bet every single possibility that comes into your head. There is a line out there for you. We have dove through all those lines. We have picked out our best prop bets. We are going to make money on this Super Bowl. And if you listen to us, you're going to join us in the fun. Dangles, what do you do, got? Do you think that the stakes for us are higher now? Because this is the Super Bowl after all. It's the Super Bowl of gambling as well, right? We've been doing this all year long. We've been making people money. We've been playing our bets. And, and they've played out pretty well, it seems like, on, on the overall. Uh, we seem like geniuses on days when we make great picks. And we seem like idiots on days when we make bad picks. Are the stakes higher for us like they are for the Chiefs and the Niners here. Personally, for me, I know the stakes are higher because I'm going to be throwing more money on this game than I have on any game all season. But I know in my heart of hearts, and I, I Dangles has been with me for a long time, and he's probably sick of me hearing it. <laughs> I am the king of prop bets. I find these prop he's bets, and wrong. I make money every year. I tell my friends uh, nonstop when I find a prop bet that works the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, I text everyone I know, guys, <laughs> take this, take this. And more often than not, I hit it. And I'm there to uh, to, to face the face the judgment if okay. I don't hit it. But I am You're positive that some of the pop, uh, props <laughs> that I hand out right now are going to be winners. I cannot wait to make money on them. Guys, Let's start. Oh yeah, where do we even begin? There, we we all where do we even begin? We all attacked this and brought different stuff to the table. But I did bring stuff. Uh, I told you guys to bring stuff that we all could make a yes. bet on and try to make a decision on. Some of the gambles that are out there, I do want to say this. Some of the gambles that are out there, some of the props that you can make, are traps. They want you to bet this. There's no chance you're going to win it. If the odds are all over the place because they want you to throw money at it, including the one we're going to start here. It's the, my favorite bet of the year to start off the game. It's the first touchdown score. How about Who, the coin toss? Can we talk about the coin we're toss? We're not betting the coin toss. No, if you're laying on, if you're laying minus 120 on a fucking coin toss, don't gamble. Yeah, you're. Uh, that's that's Please, over the edge. You, wait, for the love no, of God, come on, plus two hundred for Joe Montana to do it. It's a shoe in. No, I'm talking. No, I'm talking about heads or tails. Oh, heads or tails. Heads no. or tails. Oh, no, people Screw lay that. minus one twenty. No, it's fifty fifty. People, you don't, don't have to be a rocket science. Don't lay minus one twenty on the coin toss. Thank you, Shay, for the shark thank for being you. our police <laughs> officer, warning us to stay away oh, from the bad okay, bets. Oh, okay, okay. I see. I, I thought I was. I liked the line, Joe Montana plus two hundred no, to no, toss it. Come on, come on now. Heads or tails, people actually. Yes, no, that's a dumb. That's a dumb bet. That's, That's a insane. dumb bet. Let's talk about a bet that you have a chance of winning actual <laughs> money on. First touchdown score. You can Ooh. bet on who's going to score the first touchdown of the game. You can also bet on these teams individually who will score the first 49 or who will score the first Chiefs touchdown. But I like to put them all together because the odds are a little bit better. This is a, this is a bet you have to make. Even though you're most likely to lose it, it's too much fun not to take it. So, gentlemen, I gave you guys some people to bring to the table that you think will hit. Dangles, let's go to you first. First touchdown score, where and why? Uh, I've got Emmanuel Sanders at plus 1,200. That's tough. I, I know <laughs> I know it's tough, but he's a wily old vet. I think he's going to be involved in this game early on. Uh, Debo Samuel, I think, is around that same number. And I yeah. also I like him because they love to, you know, they love to fit him in on, on these weird plays. They'll, they'll, you know, run these jet sweeps with him. And he breaks off these big runs sometimes. Uh, the Chiefs obviously have a guy like him in Nicole Hardman who, who uh, you could end up that way. But I put my money on Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know. I just had a gut feeling when I was looking at it. 
I think he's gonna. I think he's the wily old vet who's gonna get his first touchdown in the Super Bowl with his new team. Dangles, I can't get mad at you because I have a gut feeling for one of my bets later that it's one of the stupidest bets I could make, but I did it's it anyway based on a gut feeling. It's a Super Bowl. Drew, you got any insight on first touchdown yeah, score? Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in your line of thinking. Just the other team. I'm actually going with my boy uh, Hardman for Me the Chiefs. Me Cole. I just think. That obviously everyone's going to be keen on Kelsey, on Tyreek Hill, the Cheetah, Sammy Watkins. See, I, I wanted like tier two players because yeah. all those lines weren't they, they weren't nothing. I, I I've seen them on different shops anywhere from eighteen to one to twenty to one. Yeah, and the, and and let's not forget he could take a he could take a punt back, he could take a kickoff back. And that counts. You, you never know. So um, I think you find a little value in Cole Hardman. I like the big bets that you guys are making. I went with something a little bit more common, a little bit more guaranteed. I went and I couldn't decide between the two because again, I don't know who scores first, which team. I don't really have a dominant team in this game. I think they're both very evenly matched, but when it comes to the red zone, both of these teams look to their tight ends. And both of the tight ends right now are plus 800. That's 8 to 1 on Kelsey and 8 to 1 on George Kittle. That's where I'd put my money. I'd probably bet them both and hope that either one of them scores for either team. Whoever gets the ball that. first. And I liked it at 8-1. to one. The running backs are easy. Obviously, those are going to be the lowest odds. But when you get to the team, when you get to the red zone, and they're going to pass, you saw Patrick Mahomes in that uh, uh, Tennessee-Houston t- uh, game, actually. He threw three touchdowns to Kelsey. I like Kelsey. I like Kittle at plus 800. Jumping off on George Kittle, though, let's start talking about the individual players in this game. George Kittle to score all day is plus 100. It's a pick em. But George Kittle to score a touchdown in the first half, Plus 260. What's the chances my man Kittle gets off the mm, schneid and scores in the first half? I like half? that. I'd put money on that. Plus George 260. Kittle. See, here's the thing. They haven't been using him, right? You were, We were talking, I think, last week uh, at the Royal Rumble about how maybe this is a Gronk situation, yeah. right, where they just haven't taken the tarp off of him yet, and they're going to roll him out for real in the – just like you said about Kelsey. I feel like he's too much of a weapon in the receiving game to not use in a receiving. Absolutely. You don't have a guy who does a tight end with 2,000-yard receiving seasons in a row and then just yeah. not use him yeah. or only use him as a run blocker. I know he loves to block, but come on. You got, you're got you going to see him involved in that Drew, offense. you're shaking your head. I, well, you know, he's burned me, man. Like, he's burned he's burned mm. me the last two weeks. Bitterness. And it's hard. And, you, you know, as gamblers, as sharps, we have to have short memory. But, man, that is a tough taste when you take over receiving yards at 74-and-a-half and he has one catch for 11 yards. Yep. Um, Obviously, he's their biggest weapon, but I think you know the run game is dependent on his blocking. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a catch twenty-two. Uh, if the running game is established and they're successful moving the chains to the ground, he's going to be limited in his passing his his opportunities yeah. to catch balls, and that's going to be just. You know, I, I think I just have to just – I got to take it easy on Kittle this game, guys. I, I, don't know. Okay. I don't know. I will say I wrote down two bets that of names that you guys brought up already. Emmanuel Sanders, his over-under right now for receptions is three and a half. And I like the over at plus 125. As Dangles, as you said, he's the wily veteran. He's the guy that they're going to rely on when times get tough and Kittle gets double covered. Emmanuel Sanders will make a play. Over three and a half receptions at plus 125, I think he's is a He's plus gimme. 140 to score at all. I like that, too. And then Mecole Hardman. Drew, you brought him up. I could not believe this number. It's minus 130. It's a number I don't like to take on the odd side, but it's over one and a half receptions. That's just two catches for Mecole Hardman. He is a game changer. They are going to take out Tyreek Hill, and Mecole Hardman has so much speed that he's going to be able to find those holes in the zone and make make those safeties really work to cover him. I think two receptions, maybe a quick screen or something, is a gimme for Mecole Hardman. I'm really taking that. Do you guys think I'm on the right road? I actually just found... Um yeah, he's plus two thousand to score first TD. And yes, Tony, Hardman, I, Hardman is yeah plus plus okay. two thousand twenty to one. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, 
I, I, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue with one and a half. I know it's there for a reason. Yeah, clearly. Uh, Sammy Watkins, didn't, I don't think he, he was non-existent against the Texans. Then he went off against the, the Titans. Um, but Mahomes really, it seems like he would spread the love. So one and a half, I do like that. Speaking of creative plays, I went back to something that made me some money. Well, it really made you some money, Tony, earlier this playoffs. I saw uh, a one, plus 115 for over two and a half players to have oh. a passing attempt. We've seen Tyreek Hill throw the ball before. We've seen Sammy Watkins throw the ball before. We've seen Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders throw the ball before, and I think some of them have thrown touchdowns as well. I love you it. You just need one Dangles. other person. Nope. Dangles, I've taken this the past two seasons, and they've fixed the odds on me. It used to be plus 200 for the yes on this. Now it's down to plus 115. Yeah. I'm still going to take people it again. People are getting smart to it. Again, it's not just two and a half people to Swear. complete a pass. It's two and a half people to attempt a pass. It of doesn't even need to be completed. Drew's I, hating this, though. I'm no, honored no, you no, call no, me no, a square, no, Drew. No, no we're going we're gonna to make a <laughs> better than this boys this is actually i'm just going to tell you it's one of my best prop bets uh i'm going under two and a half players to attempt oh. to pass at minus okay. 130 kansas city has only had one non-quarterback throw Wait. all year um the 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 punter who you yeah. know i don't think i don't think they're gonna do a, a, a throw with their punter this year and san francisco has had two non-qb throws all year with emmanuel setas and pettis but however, I feel that this I think I think this number's inflated because of the success of the bet the last two years. I think we're getting a really good price at minus one thirty, so I'm going under two and a half uh, players to attempt to pass. There we go. We have our first crossfire beer of the bet, day. Beer bet, beer bet. Dangles, he's attacking you, man. You brought this bet up, and he's going opposite. Anything to defend yourself I, I, against I, I, Schaefer look, the Sharp. I, I, I was right last time, and I did. we didn't even have to get out of the first quarter. <laughs> the of the first, first drive, dude. Game of the first Not only were you right, it was the first drive. The weekend, and that bet hit, thank you, John Smokey Brown. Yes, right. sir. I got a special one for you. Uh, again, you can bet on anything in this game. You can bet on absolutely anything. And I really, really like this bet because of the odds I got for it. It's plus 220 for this bet. A touchdown overturned by replay. Wow. Mm. A lot of these games, you see every, every one of these plays is diagnosed with a magnifying glass. And normally I hate to see a touchdown get overturned. But if I have to sit down for five minutes as the chips and salsa are at my knees and I'm watching the same, you know, Gene Steratore on there explain to me the rule over and over again of what is a catch and what isn't a catch, at least I want to make money on it when it's overturned. So touchdown overturned by replay is plus 220. I'll be putting a little little dose of that, a little sprinkle of that one as much as I hate to see it. Dangles, you got any weird ones? Uh, I am. <laughs> here's a good one. I've got a minus one ten uh, for the jersey number of the first player to be under twenty six <laughs> and a half. <laughs> Listen to me. No, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Under twenty six and a half. Hear me out. D will go to the casino. Dangles. D will. LaShawn McCoy, all the Chiefs receivers. Oh, LaShawn receivers, McCoy hasn't a fucking carry all playoffs. All the Chiefs receivers except Travis Kelsey. All the 49ers receivers except Kendrick Bourne and George Kittle. Mostert could be what sinks you, but the odds are <laughs> oh. in your favor. Oh Laugh now. Get paid on Sunday. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to one that's a little more uh, maybe traditional. I like the shortest TD under one and a half yards. That means it's a one-yard touchdown. It's at $1.50, minus $1.50. However, um... I really like the goal line touchdown, especially with the 49ers. Did you guys look at MVP at all? Because I have an MVP bet that's a little yeah, bit of a long I did shot. Look, I, I did look I, at MVP. I think, I think MVP is the most bullshit thing to bet on because ultimately it's going to go to the quarterback or unless a receiver has a freak 
you know, like like an Edelman last year. So yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see much value. Especially, in it. I mean, if Kansas City wins, NFL is going to want to give it to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. The same thing with Pretty Jimmy. I took a weird one, but Dangles, you said you had something on it. I did. I I, I went at seven to one for Raheem Mostert to win it. I, I yeah, do see. I can see I value in that see, if he has I last week's game. Yeah. I do see a situation where he ends up get they end up in a goal to go situation a couple of times. If this dude scores two or three touchdowns, it's very you know possible, and they win. It's entirely possible he could end up if, with it if G- Jimmy Garoppolo has a you know, mediocre game where he completes 17 passes for 150 yards, right? I do think that's, that's, I like that. That's good value. What, what were the odds on Mostert? You said 7-1? Seven seven one. One. Plus 700. That's seven not, one. Bad. Yeah, not bad. I took a long shot. I uh, I took this because I was thinking about the MVP bet and thinking about what I wanted to bring to the table. And the player I took, I have loved since he has entered the league, since he was in college, really. And I've been rooting for him ever since. I've been on his side through all the tr- uh, trials and tribulations of his career. And I, 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 I was sitting there looking at the MVP bet, walking, doing my normal morning hike that I do because I live in a lovely Los Angeles. Angeles and I thought to myself if this guy does what he could possibly do I would feel so bad not having a chance at getting him an MVP so let's say it's a game that's a little bit under the point total let's say it's a game where the quarterbacks make a lot of mistakes let's say there's a pick six in this game which defensive touchdown is a nice little bet to take too I took a plus 5,500 on the money on the honey badger Tyrion Matthew to win MVP if I get a if I get two game changing plays from him a Von Miller type Super Bowl run yep. where he becomes the MVP in a tight game I took uh, uh, Matthew plus 55. I like it. 55 to 1 is a long shot, but if you got extra money to throw it on there, there's a chance. There's a chance. You tell me there's a chance. Yeah, That's all I yeah. need. You could take that money and light it on fire, too, but Thank I mean, you, it just depends what you want to do. Right. Um, hey, it's, what, we're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's honestly, you know, I, I don't hate that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and 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 give a little more once again just uh, my nature give a little more traditional bets here have some statistics for you boys since the 2000 season second halves have outscored first halves in the Super Bowl by 7.1 points mm. second halves have outscored first halves 14 four and one first half average 20.3 second half average 27.4 so what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the middle which I think I'm oh for my lifetime trying to hit <laughs> I am going to play the first half under 27 and the second half over 27. Huh. Ooh. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Very, very I mean, Schaefer the Sharp Gambling School. I'm here all week. That's playing. That's playing some games. That's playing some games. But I like it. I. Uh, I also think as we th- we're talking about now, we're getting into the actual what's going to happen in the game. There's sure. a. There's a. You can bet this line a million different ways. And again, I, I'm not sure if I want to take Kansas City minus one and a half, San Fran plus one and a half. But I think it's going to be a close game. And nothing we've said so far has been able to change that it's going to be a close game. So, if you want to look out there for a little three-way line. There's a line out there right now where San Fran, one leg is San Fran wins by six or more. The other leg is Kansas City wins by six or more. And then the middle leg is the any other result, meaning five on either side. And that that any other result, that middle of the whole thing is plus 160. And I took that myself because I think this is a game. I don't know who wins, but I know it's within a field goal. And also, going off of uh, within a field goal, the last score of the game to not be a touchdown is also plus 160. I looked at that, too. I'm looking at a last-second field goal that wins this game. Triple zeros on the clock, Adam Vinatieri-type play. Plus one sixty for the last score of a game to not be a touchdown. Dangles. This could be this could be really close. I was just going to throw out there that uh, underdogs have covered in twelve of the last eighteen Super Bowls. It's just 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 throwing it out there. I mean, yeah. I don't like the I don't like the spread in this game at a point and a half. Um, but but it's just too close. My I mean, if you got it at a pick, I'm I guess good. I don't really like the extra hook on Neither there. I. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't screw around with it. Um, but yeah, hey, sixty six percent over the last eighteen years. The other thing I asked you guys. Because it's now time we have to put our nuts on the table. Sorry, Mrs. Crookston. Sorry, Mom. We have to make our our guarantees. 
All right, I, gave, I asked you to give me one prop bet that was your max, your definite, your utmost confidence that this is going to happen. I will go first. I want one prop, the final prop to rule them all. This one's a gimme. I've been giving this out on every interview I have given during Super Bowl week, and I'm going to give it out again for the listeners on this podcast. This is a gimme. It's plus 240. I cannot believe that it's plus 240. As I said before, I believe this is a close game. Plus 240 for a fourth quarter lead change. You lead change, any side, doesn't matter how many there are, I just need one fourth quarter lead change is plus 240. I guarantee you that's going to happen. I believe this is a close game. Back and forth, Garoppolo versus Mahomes. I don't know who wins, but I know there's going to be a lot of tug-of-war type type material. Fourth quarter lead change, plus 240. Before we go to Schaefer the Sharp, Dangles, what's your max bet prop here? I struggled with this one for a little while. I, I had to d- try and decide between a minus 115 for the game to be tied after 0-0, which I really like. I do think that will happen. Or what I settled on, which was uh, plus 1,000, 10 to 1, oh for the 49ers to have between 90 and 100 rushing yards. I'm shooting for it. I'm shooting for it. They're going to rush for at least 100 yards in this game. Daggles, we said guarantee. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, do you not like that? Should I go with the 0-0 tie then? No, no, I think no, that's no, going to no. happen. You do what you I want. Do. Ten I do. Best one. snake eyes in roulette, Daggles. <laughs> ten, ten, ten to one, I think we can like roll that. with it. The common man for the common man, right, Daggles? There you go. That's, yeah. ten that's, to what one. I'm, that's what I'm here for. Rush yards between 90 and 100. Hey, man, I hope it hits. I won't be betting it, but I hope it hits. You've been right on some random-ass parlays before. I sure have. You, the, the luck will never run out for D'Angelo Antonio. Shave of the Sharp, man. I want one prop to end us uh, to end it all here. Well, typically, uh, Shave of the Sharp, uh, I'm going to give you kind of one and a half. Now, I played this, boys, uh, when it came out, and I got the number, man. I'm happy because I think it's up to 32 and a half. I played Mahomes over rush yards at 29 at minus 115. I think it's all the way up to 32 and a half. That would be my max bet. I would not. My buy price is probably 33, but... For the, um, for the sake of the show, I'm going to give you another one. Demarcus Robinson played in 33% of the snaps in the playoffs. His over-under is 22 receiving yards. I like the under on Demarcus Robinson, under 22 receiving yards. I like it. Yeah, you can't get cute with these. A lot of these numbers are going to go under. Vegas wants you to bet the over. Most of the numbers will end up going under. I like that. 22 and a half receiving yards. 22 and a uh, Let me just... Do, no, it's, it's it's 22 even. 22, 22 even. Tw- 22 reception yards. Demarcus Robinson, Kansas City Chiefs, under Patty Mahomes, over 29 rush yards. I think the mark is at 33. I did happen to get that in when the number posted because, as you know, I'm a sharp. All right, before we go, we got to give a bet on the line. What, where are we leaning on this line? Kansas City minus one and a half. I'm leaning Kansas City minus one and a half, but I'm not surprised if it goes another way. Drew? Last year I made a terrible mistake of, of kind of going back and forth, Rams, Patriots, Rams, Patriots, and I broke this down, boys. That must have been tough. Yeah, well, it was it was it was an idiotic because in in hindsight, right? Like it's it's easy to say, guys. I was astonished since the year two thousand, since Trent Dilfer, since Trent Dilfer (laughs) won as uh, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, there has not been, with the exception of Big Dick Nick Mm. and the the iconic run of Joe Flacco, every seriously, like no, no, an iconic an iconic run, every single year the Super Bowl. Has been won by the superior quarterback. Now, obviously, there's 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 sometimes when well, when you're two, playing against Tom Brady, ten years out of, of 18, course. Well, you know, well, and you know, there's been Roth- hard. Ben Roethlisberger versus 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 uh, um, Kurt Warner, Eli and, and and Brady, all this stuff, Aaron Rodgers and Big Ben. But this is all I have to say when I broke this game down. Tony, Chiefs are down by four. They have one timeout. There's three minutes left. They're on the 25 yard line. <laughs> what ticket do you want? I want Kansas City. 
San Francisco's down by four hmm. with three minutes left. Hmm. They have one timeout left. What hmm. ticket do you want? That's tough. I think I'd want Kansas City. Back up the Brinks truck. Kansas City is going to win this game. I've, I've, a lot of people that I trust and respect are on San Francisco. I think they think it's a sharp play. I don't think it's that hard of a bet. I'm not, of course, I'm sitting here not going to be surprised if San Francisco wins. This is so simple to me. Mahomes will not get beat in the Super Bowl. He's playing at a different level than everybody. I think San Francisco to win, everything has to go right. They got to play with the lead. They got to, you know, they got to establish the run. They got to create. to make they, a mistake. They have, they have to create pressure on Mahomes. There's, there's just a domino effect that has to happen for them to win the game. The Chiefs have proven they can win the game whenever they want, uh, or however they want. Yeah. So to me, this is really easy, and it does help that before Championship Sunday, I placed a plus one seventy ticket for the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. So I got plus 170 on the Chiefs' money line. That's a sharp play. Kansas City Chiefs. One more time, boys, all year. One final time. One final time, boys. Oh, my God. Oh, we no. got to get you a real sound, no, dude. No, 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 no. Shit. It's lost in his nope, messages. No, nope, it's not. We'll I got get it right back here. To you. We'll get nope. back to Last you, time, boys. Truck. All right, I promise Back up you, the Briggs truck. I promise Kansas you. Kansas City, Andy Reid, Hawaiian shirts. He's going to be eating ribs and mac and cheese till the cows come home. <laughs> I promise you, it's my word right now, by next season, as my gift to you for season two, we are going to get you an actual backup sound. God damn it. Thank you. Dangles, you got a prediction for the game? Although I do kind of love the scissor lift. It is, it is endearing. It is endearing to my heart. I've been going back and forth on this all week. I love that too. I feel like we've all I've been, been the going same back way. and forth on this all week. I there have wait. been days where can't I have felt I've, I've felt like Kansas City. I've argued. I've been talking to people about it, and I've made the argument for Kansas City. There have been days when I've been arguing about it, and I've made the argument for San Francisco. I really do think the 49ers are going to win this. All right, Tangles. I'm going with the 49ers All in this right, one. Tangles. I think they set the tempo with the run game early. I think Jimmy G unleashes whatever he's got left in his tank for this season, and it's none of these 88-yard bullshit games anymore where he's completing 10 passes. I think we're going to see a big boy quarterback game out of Jimmy Garoppolo because he's going to have a solid run game in front of him. He's got a great offensive line that I think doesn't get talked about as much as it should, and I do think that defense is going to create a lot of problems. Uh, again, what we, when you can only when you can drop seven guys back in coverage, it creates a lot of opportunities for you on defense. I am with the 49ers on this one. I think Shanahan gets his first Super Bowl, and Andy Reid comes just one hair short. Oh, that'd be so one sad. more time. I know, and that'd I'm pulling so for him. My dad's an Eagles fan. He grew up in Philly. Like he loves Andy Reid. He's pulling for him too. I know that. Chiefs haven't won in what 50 years. That city deserves a Super Bowl. Their fans are rabid. They love their Chiefs. Like I would love to see the Chiefs fans win a Super Bowl. The Niners have a few in the last you know couple of decades, um, but I really think. San Francisco is going to pull this one out and make Patrick Mahomes look human. It's going to be a hell of a game, and I cannot wait for it to happen on Sunday, 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 with our man Chris Myers on the sideline. It's going to be an amazing game. Kansas City, San Fran. I can't wait for it. I'm leaning Kansas Friend City. Friend of the podcast, but Chris Myers. He asked us to do it again. Who he knows? Said, he said who knows? Do it again. Hell of an interview, man. Nicest guy in the world. But hey, that's hey, it. Are you going to make a pick, clown? I pick Kansas City okay. minus one okay. and a half. Okay. I, I, again, I'm not strongly leaning on either side, but if I'm making a pick, it's Kansas City. I'm going with the better quarterback. Right. I love Pat Mahomes. I had Kansas City versus New Orleans at the start of this whole thing, and I'm sticking with Kansas City from the gun. I like Kansas City a lot, but that is it. 
for the Super Bowl show of the Left Coast Gamblers. I just want to say to Dangles, this is our fourth season that we're uh, we're culminating right here. Thank you, Dangles, for being along with me for the ride and uh, just taking me under your wing and teaching me how to do this. We wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without you and Drew. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thank you for bringing new life to this show. We are now the Left Coast Gamblers because of you, and we now make people money because of you. I feel confident in doing this because I have you by my side to tell me when I'm being an idiot and being Tony Squares. It's a Super Bowl, though. You get to be a little bit square during the Super Bowl. You get Absolutely. to bet the halftime show. You get to bet what color Demi Lovato's dress is. We By the way, didn't if, talk about the national anthem. If you're not, because it's a stupid bet. But you, if you make it every year. If, if you're not taking the over for the national anthem, you're just not American. What okay? do you mean? Do you take the under? No, no, no. You're four, not American. She's done it five times. Four of them, they've been under two minutes. You're, Go with the under. Don't be a moron. You're not American if you don't take the over. You want her to sing Brave as long as those jets fly over and you're hitting the over on two mm. minutes and three seconds. Anyway, yep. Demi Lovato singing the national anthem. Chris Myers on the sideline, 49ers versus the Chiefs, Mahomes versus Garoppolo, Andy Reid versus Kyle Shanahan. I cannot wait for the Super Bowl, and thank you again for listening to the inaugural season of the Left Coast Gamblers. It's been a pleasure. Tony Cavallo, Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crooks, and Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, we thank you. We're making you money, and we'll see you on the other side. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast